Ah, good morning. Today, Bezat Hashem will be learning Daf Yud Gimel in Masechus Ksubas, and we're on the Mishnah on top of Yud Gimel and Aleph. And the Mishnah discusses a similar uh, case to yesterday's case, where the Chosen Kal are having their first argument. He notices that she's not a Basula, and, and, he, and she says, and he says, What's up, girl? And he, Omeris Mukas Eitzani, he said, No, it's not what it looks like. I had suffered a traumatic injury, which is why I'm not a basula. What it looks, why I look like I'm not a basula, but I am a basula. It's just a traumatic injury. I was never with a man. They're in a fight. So he says something that's not really rational. He says, no, you're with a man. He has no clue, really. All he knows is that she doesn't seem to be a basula. But as we say, he's freaked out that at the possibility that she is not a basula, that she was with a man, and so they're having this argument. So just like we said yesterday, we have a machlokas today with Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Gamliel, we're, we're going to be saying this, uh, because we're going to kick it around in the Gemara, we're going to say it in the oversimplified way. The oversimplified way of saying it is Rabbi Gamliel believes her, and Rabbi Yeshua doesn't believe her. But we already said what the mechanics was yesterday. We said that Rabbi Gamliel... We'll say it outside quickly, and then we'll read it inside, and then we'll then we'll explain why we need both Mishnayas, how much money is at stake. Don't worry, it's all it's Tama Bavli. No stone is going to be left unturned here. But um, Rabbi Gamliel, as we said, it's not it's it's kind of is that he believes her, and Rabbi Shua doesn't believe her. But what's really going on is Rabbi Gamliel holds that she really knows, whereas he has no clue. So she knows whether she was with a man or is a traumatic injury. Therefore, it's called Bari versus Shema. She has a certainty to it and he has a doubt or really no knowledge and that's why we quote-unquote believe her whereas Rabbi Yeshua says yeah okay even though she has a more certain right uh, she would know the truth that doesn't mean that she's telling us the truth certainly not to the point where we would consider it evidence as as and as we will see there is money involved and when there's money involved hamotzi mechavero all of haraya it is the husband that's holding the money of the ksuba, and therefore it is incumbent on the kala here who's going to be extracting the ksuba to not just, right, make a claim, albeit she knows the truth, she would have to bring actual proof. But for the sake of simplicity, going forward, we're going to call it that Rabbi Gamliel believes her and Rabbi Yeshua does not believe her. So let's read it inside. So Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Lezer, Omrim, Ne'emenes, she's believed. Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Lomi, Pian, Chayin, Right, we're not gonna, I wouldn't bet my life on it, on what she's saying, which is another way of saying we don't believe her. We see that she's not a basula, right? We see that she doesn't have the signs of basulim, and therefore she is presumed to have been with a man until she can bring a proof otherwise, which is to say, in order to extract the money, Right from the Baal for the Ksuba, she's going to have to bring a proof. So the Gemara asks, Tanaisaya Bamai. The Gemara finally asks, it didn't ask this on the previous Mishnah. Remember, the two Mishnahis are as follows. Yesterday's Mishnah, they both agreed that she was with a man. She conceded that. It was just a question of, she said that she was with a man, right, after Arison. And she it was not willingly, and it was after Arison. Which is to say, she tells the husband, this is not something that I did to you. This is something that occurred to you, right? That was like a natural disaster. At the time of the Arison, everything was kosher. 
And then all of a sudden, this, I was violated, Rahman al-Itzlan. So that's the machlokas, whereas he says, how do I know? Maybe at the time of the marriage, you already, this had happened, okay? So that was the case yesterday. And then today, she's not conceding that she was ever with a man. Today is different. She's saying that this was not uh, caused by a man at all, but rather a traumatic injury. But how much money is at stake? So the Gemara says, Rabbi Yochanan Amar are machlokas. Rabbi Yochanan Amar bin Masayim Uvimon. Oh, this is so much different because we don't have 15 different relatives to worry about. Okay. Rabbi Yochanan Amar bin Masayim Uvimona. That the machlokas is whether she gets a ksuba of 200 zuz or a ksuba of 100 zuz. Right? So back to our case. If she was, in other words, if she was uh, a, if it's a traumatic injury, she gets 100 zuz. And if it, uh, the other way around. If it was traumatic injury, she should get 200 zuz. And if it was uh, done through a man, then she's downgraded, right? In other words, it's, it's assumed that every man is going to, every chassan wants a kala that's a basula that was never with another man. And therefore, it is in that case where she's entitled to a 200 zuz ksuba. As opposed to, if she has a traumatic injury, so then she's kind of damaged goods, but it wasn't from another man, so she doesn't get nothing, uh, right? So there's, there are actually machloksin all over the place on this issue, as we will see. We will see there's going to be Tanaim who hold that if she had a traumatic injury, she still damaged goods, and therefore she should only get 100 zuz. Then there are those, notably Rabbi Mayer, who holds that if she had a traumatic injury, then it it's never considered like she's damaged goods. Traumatic injury is, has nothing to do with being with another man. It's only being with another man that would downgrade her ksuba. And therefore, a traumatic injury, she should get the full 200 zuz, right? Then there's, on the other side of the spectrum, a shita, as we will see, that holds that even if she was with another man, she should still get 100 zuz. No woman should be let go without some severance pay, right? And so we're going to kick around all of those shitas tanaim to see how it fits with this machlokas Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Elazar. So getting back over here, Rabbi Yochanan Amar b'Matzayim Mana, that she says, no, it was just a traumatic injury, therefore I should get a full 200 zuz. And he says, no, you were the man, therefore I should only give you 100. Whereas Rabbi Elazar Amar b'Mana v'Loklum, where uh, the chassan says, no, you were with another man, and therefore you should get nothing. And she says, what do you mean? I only suffered a traumatic injury, and therefore I... Sh- I- She's not entitled to a full 200, but rather only to a 100, because she is, after all, damaged goods. So who do they hold like? So it says the Gemara like this. Rabbi Yochanan Amar B'Masayim V'mana, the Mechok is over 200 versus 100, because he holds that the Tana of our Mishnah is Rabbi Meir, right? Which makes sense, because the Tana Mishnah is Rabbi Meir generally. And what did Ramir says? To Omar, Ramir said, which means whether the husband um, was aware of her traumatic injury before the wedding or before the Kedushin, or whether he was not aware of it, either way, she's entitled to my times. Another way of saying it is what I said before, that only being with another man would downgrade her ksuba. Traumatic injury has nothing to do with that. And therefore, uh, any woman with a traumatic injury, whether you're aware of it or not, so long as she had never been with another man, should be entitled to the full 200 zuz. That's the shita of Rabbi Meir. And therefore, by claiming that she's a mukas eitz, she's actually uh, entitled to the 200 zuz. Okay, so that was, right, and then, and then conversely, the Baal 
on the other side is saying, no, you were with another man, and therefore it must be that the Machlokas is that he's downgrading her from 200 to 100 by claiming that uh, she was not uh, made to uh, look like a non-Basula by traumatic injury, but rather by being with another man. That's the Machlokas according to Rabbi Yochanan. Whereas Rabbi Lezer Omer says the Gemara, Bemane velo klum. What are the Rabbanon hold? The Amri Bein Hikirba, Hikirba, Mane. Right? Unlike Rabbi Meir, the Chachamim hold that the Mukas Eitz here is a uh, damaged goods, albeit not through any fault of her own. She was on some crazy camping trip and suffered this uh, traumatic injury. But uh, that still makes her damaged goods. She's less than ideal, and therefore she's only entitled to 100 Zuz. And therefore, when she claims she's a Mukasetz, right, she must be claiming something, right? They're arguing over some amount of money. And therefore, if you hold like the Rabbana and say that a Mukasetz only gets 100 Zuz, it must be that the counter-argument of the Baal that says that, no, you were with another man, must entitle her to zero. And therefore, that's the Machlokas Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Lazar. Are they arguing about 200 versus 100 Zuz or 100 Zuz versus zero? So now the Gemara is going to dig in a little bit before we get to the next Mishnah about what exactly is going on with this Machlokas Rabbi Lazar and Rabbi Yochanan. As follows, says the Gemara, In other words, like this. As we've said, the sheet of Rabbi Meir is that Traumatic injury does not affect your ksuva. That should still be my time. The problem with Rabbi Meir's shita is that it's Rabbi Meir. And he's the minority. Everyone, you would think, would prefer to hold like the Rabbanon. Because whenever there's minority versus majority, the majority opinion is typically Howie Paskin. And so why would Rabbi Yochanan, who's an Amora, right, side with, Rabbi, with the Tan of Rabbi Meir in, in the face of the shita of the Rabbanon? What does Rabbi Yochanan have to gain by going with Rabbi Meir? Who is he to Paskin like Rabbi Meir, who's the minority? So I can understand Rabbi Lazar says the Gemara. He doesn't say like Rabbi Yochanan because he wants to hold like the Rabbanan. In fact, as we said, the Rabbanan hold that the Mukas Ace is damaged goods. And therefore, that's why Rabbi Lazar holds that the Machlokas is 100 versus 0. Ela Rabbi Yochanan, my time will Amar Rabbi Lazar. What would compel Rabbi Yochanan to hold like Rabbi Meir and not hold uh, like Rabbi Lazar, who sides with the Chachamim? So the Gemara answers, Kasavar Kansa or Knasa Becheskes Besula Benimsas Beula Yeshlak Suva Mana. Ah, because there is another Shita out there that Rabbi Yochanan subscribes to, which is that whenever you think that a woman uh, was a Besula, turns out she was a Beula, ah, that she gets a Suba, nonetheless, of mana, and seems to be even if she was with a man. Oh, so this is what we said before. We said, we, we already teased it. There's a shita out there that even if it turns out she was with a man, the she, the, you never let a woman go without severance pay of at least 100. Oh, well, once you say you never let her go, we're saying mm-hmm. it outside, without at least a severance pay of 100, so then, after all, our Mishnah has a, uh, the, an argument between the Hassan and Kala, right? Where the Hassan says, you were with a man. And the Kala says, I was Mukasetz. Well, guess what? If the Mukasetz gets 100, and the minimum is 100 anyway, even if she had been with a man, so then they're not arguing over anything. Then regardless, she's going to get a mana. So then it must be that the reason why she's forwarding an argument that she is, in fact, the Mukasetz is because she, in fact, is looking to get more money. And that only 
fits within the sheet of Rameir, who holds that the Mikas Eitz gets 200, as opposed to the sheet of the Rabbanon, who holds that she gets 100. So that's what the Gemara says inside, as follows. That's what Yochanan holds, that this shita that there's always at least a seventh pay of a hundred, even if she was with a man. And therefore, so here, if that's the case, so then when the man says that you were with another man, when the chassan says you were with another man, she, he, he has to still give her a hundred uh, money, right, a hundred zuz severance pay. And she says, no, I was mukaseit. Well, if you hold like the Rabbanan, then she's getting only a hundred severance pay anyway. Does that make any sense? Mi'ika bein taina di dele, taina di da. What then would be the difference between their taina? Both of those tainas only yield a hundred zuz. And therefore, what would be the argument? It must be, therefore, that um, our mission is going to Rabbi Meir, that the Mukas Eitz actually gets 200, which is why they are having this argument in the first place. So that's Rabbi Yochanan's Shita. However, the Gemara again says, Bishlem el Rabbi Elazar, Right, Hainudiktani Tarti. Aha. There's another reason why you might think the Rebelazer makes more sense and holds like the Rabbanan that the Machlokas is 100 versus 0. Why? Because as we've said, this Mishnah follows the previous Mishnah. The previous Mishnah, she concedes that she was with another man. She just says that it happened afterwards, right, after Arison. Okay? So, Chadala Puke Mirami Barchama. So, we have to have both Mishnahis nonetheless. If the Machlokas is 100, Versus zero. So then you would think that the two cases actually are now the same, right? Because in both cases, it's either you get nothing if you're with another man, or you get, uh, or you get, right, a hundred if it was Mukas eights. But you still would need both Mishnayas. Why? Because, because the first one, Anir Alpham Bays, that holds it, if the Chassan didn't, right, then it's to, uh, what Rabbi Barchama say in Yudalif? Um, he says, he holds that if a chassan didn't know, right, that she was Mukas Eitz, then she gets no ksuba. That is a shita that we don't hold like, right? That's neither like, right, the Chachamim or Rabbi Meir. He has an outlier sheet of Rami Barchama. He says she gets no ksuba in, in any case, meaning even if the chassan didn't know, if the chassan didn't know going in, but even in the case of Mukas Eitz, he's, if the, as long as the chassan didn't know, Mekachtas is Mekachtas. It doesn't matter if she was Mukas. He didn't want a woman that was with another man, nor did he want a woman that suffered a traumatic injury. He wanted a Besula Mamish. So Rami Barachama holds that any case where he did not know it ahead, ahead of time that she had not been a full-on Besula with no injury or no nothing, that is a mekachtas, and Rami Barachama holds she gets no ksuba. Neither the Chachamim or a mayor hold like that, right? But be that as it may, that is why we have the first Mishnah to exclude that. In the case where she concedes that she was with, with the man. And then the second Mishnah, our Mishnah, where it's a machlokas whether she was mukaseit or not. That's to, right? That was the case where he, he gives even the mekachtas a hundred money. So we don't have that either because we don't have a sheet that says what mekachtos with a man is a hundred money. But guess what? We only don't have that sheet according to Rabbi Lazar. Because remember, according to Rabbi Lazar, the mechlokis is a hundred versus zero. So with a hundred versus zero, we don't have a sheet that holds that a, me- a true mekachtos with a man, right, that she was with a man, is is a hundred money, right? He gets zero. Elalari Yochanan Tarti Lamale. But according to Rabbi Yochanan, when the Machlokas is 200 versus 100, well, guess what? 
the the side that he gets a hundred that he only has to give a hundred in the case that she was with another man is not to exclude Rav Chiyar Ba'avin Amar and in fact is the same Shita. In other words, he agrees with Rav Chiyar Ba'avin Amar that in the case of the Mekachtos, he gets 100 mana. And therefore, you would not need both Mishnayis, you would only need, uh, you because you're not really excluding one, because you actually hold like the second one, and therefore, you're only going to need one of the two Mishnayis. And therefore, it is a data point to suggest that maybe we do it like Rabbi Lazar because we need a shita that says that it's a machlokas of zero versus a hundred in order to exclude, right? So that is a quite an elaborate proof for Rabbi Lazar to which the Gemara answers, In other words, if you hold like Rabbi Yochanan, then why would you need both Mishnayis, even though one of them is not going to exclude Rav Sheshas? What would be the Chiddush if the Machlokas is 200 versus 100? So you would still need both Mishnayis. It would not be considered redundant because one Mishnah is going to teach you the power of Ram Gamliel to be Mekil, so to speak, or to right, give the Kala more money to believe her. And one is to teach you the Koach of Rabbi Yeshua to not believe her. As follows, Kamaisa, Lodiecha Koach of Rabbi Yeshua, um, the first one, the first Mishnah, would teach you that even though in that case, right, the woman could have said Migu, because again, what was the Machlokas in the previous Mishnah? She concedes that she was with a man. She cl- simply claims that she was with a man, violated after Erison. Well, she could have said that she has no Besulim because she suffered a traumatic injury. And that creates what we discussed already yesterday, a state of Migu, where she has an extra level of of credibility because of the fact that she's conceding something that she did not have to concede. And therefore, even though she has that extra level of credibility, we see that Rabbi Yeshua does not believe her and therefore lo mehemna. Whereas Whereas the second mission, our mission over here, where she's not conceding, she's actually telling you that she was a Mukas Eitz and therefore, uh, therefore you would think that maybe you wouldn't believe her However, Rabbi Gamliel still, even in that case, the Afa Gav, the Lekal, even though she is using her, you know, trump card or whatever you want to call it, she's using her best taina and saying the, what the scenario that's most favorable to her, namely claiming that she wasn't even with the man at all, but rather the traumatic injury, and still Rabbi Gamliel believes her despite the lack of Amigu and Mehemna. He, he says that she's believed. And that's why we have both Mishnayas, and that's why we have both Shitas. And that's why we can have Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Eliezer arguing with respect to whether they, they're fighting over 200 and 100 or 100 and 0. Very good. So now we're at the Mishnah, uh, towards, uh, heading towards the bottom of Yigimah and Aleph. And we're going to have two more cases of Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua as follows. Fa- fascinating case. We see an a single girl in this case. This is already, the Chassan and Kala are out of the picture in this one. Now we're dealing with a single girl. We see her speaking to a man. Now, as we'll see in the Gemara, we see that she's doing a lot more than speaking to a man. We are suspecting that they were together, for sure. Otherwise, if they just saw her speaking, there would be no issue here. It would never come to court. This is not um, seeing a uh, single girl talking to a man online at Seven Mile Market, Andrew. This is a totally different thing. She sees uh, interaction 
a suspicious interaction. And then the guy disappeared, and we want to know, who is that guy? So she says, Why does that matter? Because uh, as we will see, she could be also to a Kohen. If we suspect that they were intimate, so then it would depend. If she was one of the, if he was one of the dudes that would be usher to her, right, as we will see, then she's going to be Pasala Kahuna. That's why we're interrogating her about who she was with, okay? So we ask her, and she says, oh, no, 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 that guy, not only is a kosher Jew, that guy is a Kohen. That was Yankel Pippa Kohen from, uh, from somewhere else. But he was a kosher, kosher dude. So Rabbi Gamliel, Rabbi Lezer, Omrim, guess what they say? Nan menes, as we've been saying, they believe her. Rabbi Yeshua, Omer, Lomi Pionachayin. We're not going to, right, we're not going to bet our life on her words. There they are. She is, we can assume, until proven otherwise, right, that she's going to be a, that she was with this individual, uh, which is what we assume anyway, that she was with him. But the point is that we assume not only that she was this individual, but he, is, he was from the unsavory usher sort. Either one in the Sinim, you know, the famous descendant of the Bnei Givon, who were woodcutters and water drawers, she's one of those low lives, or a mom's there, right? These are people who are also to her, and therefore it's going to make her also to marry a coin. And she's also to a coin until she proves otherwise, as Rashi explains, okay? That, yeah. We don't expect Basin, who is claiming that she was doing something inappropriate. We don't expect that to bring Maria to the worst. Uh, so Barry wants to know. Why can't those who say that she was doing something inappropriate, why can't they bring a riot? And the answer is because they just saw her with this shady cat, but character, but they don't have no clue who the guy is. And he's not around. Like he disappeared. This was like a summer fling, uh, as we'll see. And so, well, not necessarily summer, but you know what I mean. And he disappears, so they don't know. They don't know who the guy is. So now they have to assume, Besden or Adem or whoever did see it, have no clue who he is. And so now it's just he said, she said, right, about who this guy was. Does that answer your question? I mean, in other words, right, because... Why do we say she's Okay, so the reason, in other words, the reason we say she's Cheskes Be'ula, according to Yeshua, is simply because we're, we're expecting the worst. We have, to, we have to at least account for the worst possible scenario. We can't... In other words, it's it's a the other way of saying it would be is that we can't assume that he was a kosher dude, right? Because it's possible that he wasn't. In which case, she's considered a zona for purposes of right for purposes of remember this is a single girl. So now, what are you going to put on the shidduch resume, Barry? That that she was with a good dude or that she was with somebody who was usher? You don't know. So if it says in the shidduch resume she was with an unknown shady dude. So as a Cohen, are you going to take that chance, right, and marry her? So we have to treat her uh, like as if she may have been with an other individual, okay? So that's the first case. So in the first case, she was just presumed to have had Bia. Second case is what's called a Metzias. Haisimu, Beres. So now the single girl is walking around pregnant. Uh, and, but it's the same Echlokas, regardless. So she says, She said, oh, he was a good guy. And 
she's believed. Rabbi Shua Omer, Lomi Piano Chain, right? We're not going to risk our life on what she's saying. The burden of proof is on her. If she wants to marry a Kohen, she better prove somehow that the father of the child that she was with when she was single was a kosher man. Okay, now, the Gemara asks, my medaberis. What's the slushion of medaberis? And we're going to spend the rest of the daf talking about uh, this machlokas, about what medaberis means. We say we see them talking. Do we mean talking or do we mean talking? Ziri Amar Nistara. Ziri says the Adem just say that they were secluded in a place where they probably, right, cohabited. Whereas Ravasi Amar Nivala. They're actually testifying that there was cohabitation over there. So Bishlema is Ziri. I can understand why Ziri says Nistara because I knew the Ketani Because we're using a lighter Lushan if we see them socializing. If we actually saw them Right, intimate. So then, why would we say to see them socializing? Right, El Ravasi. Right, Ravasi, who holds that we actually saw them, uh, right, um, cohabiting. My Medaberis. Why would the Why would the missionary use the lushan of Medaberis? So our answer is lushan Alia. Yeah, we're saying Medaberis, but we mean Medaberis. We're trying to just nicely say that we certainly saw them together, according to Ravasi Kedushiv. Achla umachsa piyav armelo palti oven is the pasuk in Mishlei that's referring to the adulterous woman and her behavior that she's uh, behaving in adultery and then sort of like wipes it all up and said I had nothing to see here. Well, guess what? The euphemism used in right Mishlei of that she's eating and wiping her mouth is an attempt at. What? Lushin Nakia, right? We're trying to say what we know it means in adulterous behavior, but we're trying to say it in nicer words, and that is another example. She's certainly not just having a meal in the case of Mishlei. It's just like she's certainly not only speaking to the man in our Mishnah, but we are accustomed to using cleaner uh, language when we speak, and therefore that's why we say Medaberis. But you should not take that to mean that they were only socializing and doing a lot more than that. So the Gemara says, so Bishlema is the Eerie who says, right, that she was just Nistra, Hainu Dekhtani Tarti Medaberis and Muberis. Well, according to the Eerie, we have the two parts of the Mishnah. In one part of the Mishnah, we just saw them, right, secluded together. In the second part of the Mishnah, we have an actual pregnant lady. So that's two different cases, and that makes more sense. Uh, according to Ziri, El Arvasi Tarti Lamli. But according to Arvasi, you saw them together, actually cohabiting, and therefore it makes no difference, really, whether she was pregnant or not. Uh, both cases should be the same. So the Gemara, that's uh, not exactly the same. Because right, the first case would be to say, well, can she marry a coin? Well, the second case would be, what about her daughter? As Rashi explains, the daughter does not enjoy the cheskas kashrus. The Gemara will explain this soon. That, right, because after all, the woman uh, enjoyed a cheskas kashrus for most of her life until she was caught with this dude. Whereas the daughter was born into a state of suffolk uh, created by her mother. And therefore, you would still need two cases regardless. Even if you saw the bia in the first case, that still wouldn't necessarily tell you that the daughter was was kosher in the second case where there was an actual pregnancy. Anyway, the Gemara says, really? Yeah, that answer only works if you're going to say that she actually is kosher, right? That, for example, let's say Rabbi Gamliel, who believes her, he's not only going to believe the woman to be kosher, but he's also going to say that her daughter is kosher. But by the way, that in itself is controversial. 
holds that even though we're going to say that the wife is kosher and to a kohen, we're going to treat the offspring uh, not like kohanim. That's a shita that's out there, as we'll see, right? That that's the machlokas uh, that we're going to come across soon. So, according to that shita, what are you going to say? In other words, according to that shita, so then. We can't say, oh, the first part of the Mishnah is for her, second part of the Mishnah is, is for her daughter, because you don't have the same machlokas in both. In our Mishnah, it's uniform, and that only makes sense according to the Shita, that you would say that the same halacha is the same by both. Says the Gemara, Ravasi, Savar, Kamanda, Amar, Ladivra, Machshiba, Machshibavita. Yeah. Ravasi would have to therefore say, right, if he's going to say that the case is where we saw them and we know that there was cohabitation, and therefore the first and second case are totally parallel, well, he's going to have to accord like the shita that says that, yeah, whatever you say is good enough for the mom is good enough for the child. What is good for the goose is good for the gander. That's an actual analogy to that term. Anyway, three lines up for the bottom. Back to this machlokas. Again, Zairi says that Medaber, uh, it just means that it was, we saw them secluded. And Ravasi says, no, we saw them act, the actual intimate. So the Amar Mai Medaberis Nistra, the Zairi, the Amar Mai Medaberis Nistra, the Medaberis means that she was secluded. Amar Rabbi Yeshua, Lomahemna. And again, what was the Machlokas? Rabbi Yeshua says, we don't believe her. So wait a minute. If she was Nistra and we don't believe her, Amar Rav, that seems inconsistent with Rav. Because Rav said, Malkin ala yichud, ve'ein osrin ala yichud. Rav said, it's true. When there's, when there's Yichud, we punish it with Malkus, but we don't say that she's Aser. Well, wait a minute. Rishua says that she is. Rishua says we don't believe her, and therefore she's Aser. In a case of Yichud, well, that is Keneged, uh, the Shita of Rav, because Rav says, ain't Aser nala Yichud. So if you, in fact, hold like Zairi, that Medeberis means Yichud, so then how do you reconcile that with Shita's Rishua? So says the Gemara, Lema de Loka Rishua. Are we going to say that somehow, Rav and Rabbi Yeshua are inconsistent. So the Gemara answers, no. Afilu teima Rabbi Yeshua. Even Rabbi Yeshua is going to say, Ma'ala asu b'yuchsin. In other words, when it regards to Kohanim, we're going to say that he is asu. So for respect to, right, even though technically Yichud in itself only gets Malkus, you don't become Aser, that's only in the case of Yisrael, right? But Yichud is enough, right, according to Ze'iri, who holds that the case of, Di- of Dibra is referring to Yichud, that, whereas normally wouldn't be Aser, for, right, normally wouldn't be enough to Aser to Yisrael, is going to be enough to Aser her to a kind, because with Kohanim, as we've seen already, we are more exacting. Okay. So now, again, so we're going to keep going five different times um, as we continue in the daf, trying to figure out whether the, the, this fact um, of talking was alluding to Yichud or was alluding to actual seeing them together as follows. Meisve, we have a brisa. What does the brisa say? Let's say we see her going with someone into a secluded place. As we turn to your Gimel and Beis, at the manageable time of 6.07 a.m. Ola Chorva, as Rashi explains first, Rashi in your Gimel and Beis, Chorva is a place where you only go for one thing. If you see him going into a Chorva, it's as good as seeing as being like Ede Bia. 
It's as good as knowing there's only one thing that goes on in the chorva, and that is cohabitation. So they see her going into seclusion or into a chorva. And then we say, hey, who was that guy that we saw you go into the seclusion or chorva with? So she goes back and she says, Not only is he's a Kohen, and by the way, he's my cousin. This is where Rabari Leibowitz, the great Dafyomi master, made a joke. What? The joke was that when yeshiva guys get caught with girls in the year in Israel, they always say that that was my cousin. That's true. That still goes on today, Barry. Anyway, you shouldn't know from those such things. Anyway, Why do they say the cousin? Huh? Because this way they don't get kicked out of yeshiva, Gary Arnold. Suppose It's a little bit more understandable if it's your cousin. That's why you're familiar with each other. You know each other. You're just saying hi to your family member. Okay. It's usually not true, Guranas. Don't listen to that. Don't fall for that. So again, the Brisa says that they either went into a secluded place or to the Chorva where we know where, what they're doing. So again, Rabbi Gamliel, of course, as always, believes or Rishu doesn't. So we say, wait a minute. Uh, so the Rishu says, And again, we don't believe that she was with her cousin. We don't believe that she was with a coin. We say she was probably with some shady dude. Until she brings proof. Okay. So now the Gemara is saying like this. What's the question? I can understand according to Ziri. That's why we have two cases. One is, right, seclusion. One is really uh, going into a place where there's probably cohabitation. El Ravasi Dharma Nivala Tarti Lamali. Ravasi says that even speaking means that you for sure had, right? Even if we see them socializing, it's the equivalent of saying, right, that they were Nivala. It's not really what he said. He just might have said that we're, we saw them, right, cohabiting and we're just saying the Lushan Naki that it's socializing. But be that as it may, let's assume that Rav, that Rav Asi holds that everything is assumed to be cohabitation, right? We'll suspend this belief here and we'll say that Rav Asi is the one that thinks that everything's cohabitation and Ziri splits it into seclusion and Chorva. So then certainly when it says Seser or Chorva, according to Ziri, it's two different things. According to Rav Asi, it's the same thing. So therefore, what is this Brisa doing? So the Gemara answers, Chad Ketani. Really, uh, Rav Asi would say it's just one case and it doesn't really mean Oh, Lasaser or Lachor, but rather it's saying Lasaser de Chorva. No, that the case was one case where they go and they seclude in a ruin, in a place where everyone is cohabiting. Ah, Vahal Lasaser or Lachor, but that's not what the Brysa says. Brysa says it's either Saser or Chorva, two different cases. So Gemara says there are two kinds of Chorva. Chad Chorva de Masa, the Chad Chorva de Davra. Ah, Utsriche. Uh, one would be a chorva in town. We're talking about yeshiva guys, let's say, in the year in Israel. Rachman al-Itzlan. Right? The seminary girls. I don't want to think about it. So one is in town, and one is they go, right, to like Namal Yafo, you know, somewhere, or they go, you know, somewhere off the beaten track. Well, guess what? Utsrichi, both cases are needed. If it's in town, well, in town, Rachman al-Itzlan, it's, right, young, kosher, Jewish men and women in town. And therefore, there's a rove that, that whoever this um, terrible behavior was with was at least not an Asin or a Mamzer. 
but if you're going to one of these Chorvas, Rahman al-Atzlan, and not only that, but you're going off the beaten track, well, once you get off the beaten track, that's where all the shady people are. The rope, Sula, and Etzla. So there it could be anybody. And therefore there, Ema Modele Rabbi Yeshua, perhaps there, in that second case, from Gamliel would even agree with Rabbi Yeshua that there's a rove that it's a shady, and therefore you would even, Rabbi Gamliel would not believe her. Bishmin Bahi, and, right, if we were talking about the case of the ruin in the field, which is to say, right, uh, that we need both cases because even Ram Gamliel believes her is concerned that she was with some super shady character if it was, if she went out of her way to go into the boondocks, into the shady areas, or, and even Ram Gamliel who, and even Rabbi Yeshua who generally does not believe her will believe her if it's just, you know, uh, seminary and yeshiva in town, so then of course there he's not going to assume that it was in a senior imams, they're fine. So now 16 lines down in Gimel and Bez, at the symbolic time 6.13 a.m., we raise another objection, again we're talking about Ravasi versus Ze'iri. Mesve, says the Gemara, Zu Rabbi Yeshua Omer, Menes. Rashi, Atzma Kasher, Zu Atzma Right? Let's look at the Machlokas itself. Machlokas itself is when the woman is believed according to Rabbi Gamliel, not according to Rabbi Yeshua. So what's going on here? As follows. Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua says, so now we're going to record the, what the dialogue was between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Gamliel. And with, out of this dialogue, we're going to tease out whether we're talking about Ze'iri or Ravasi. Right? Whether Medaberet sounds like it means cohabiting or just secluding. As follows. I'm like Rabbi Yeshua. Rabbi Yeshua, who does not believe, or says to Rabbi Gamliel, "Yatem odim b'shvur shenishbes, v'yesh la edim shenishbes, v'yomer tahor ani she'ena ne'menes." Would you not concede that if this woman had come not from just being seen socializing in town, but came from actual captivity, as we know, captivity is all unsavory people and an assumption of her being violated. So, would you not agree that if she came out of captivity and she said, "Ah, oh, nothing happened. I'm tar." It's all good. Nothing to see here. That we would simply not believe her. That we would know. We have. Don't. Do you not agree? Says Rabbi Shmuel that there's an assumption that she has been violated by unsavory characters when she comes out of captivity. So Amrulo, Rabbi Gamliel had to answer Aval. Aval here means yes. We do agree that uh, there we would have to concede. Okay. So asks Rabbi Well, what would be the difference between coming out of captivity? And this woman, who where we saw, right, where we saw the seclusion, or where we saw the that they were, she was with another guy. So they reply, "Well, what do you mean?" Huh. In the case of captivity, everybody knows that she just came out of jail, and therefore, as Raj explains, she has uh, we. That's the equivalent of Adim, and therefore, there's Adim that there was uh, cohabitation going on. However, Lazu, here, the case where all we saw was some socializing, so then there's no Edim. Well, that sounds like, if that's the case, so it's Lazu, Yesh Edim, Lazu, Ain Edim, it sounds like there were no Edim at all, but rather Edim seclusion. See what I mean? And when she comes out of captivity, it's the equivalent of Edim When she comes out of just being seen with another guy, right, in the shadows, so then, 
or so then that's not actual edus, and that only makes sense with the Ziri who holds that it's actually Ede Yichud, right? So Amar Lahem, Rabbi Yeshua, however, says back to them, right? Rishua, who does not believe her, says, Well, uh, guess what? There's Adem here too, because guess what? We see a baby bump, right? And therefore, certainly, that's like Ede Bia, right? Because obviously there was Bia. So Amulo, Rov, Ovde, Kachavim, Prutzim, Baraya, same. Well, yeah, most of the Ovde, Kachavim are going to be Prutzim, Barayas, right? So what, so what does that help? The Gemara is going to explain. Amalhan, Ena Patropas, Larayas. And he said to them, yeah, it's true that you could say that, that they're Shkatsim, uh, and therefore they're, they're degenerates if they're going, but guess what? No short of, of degenerates when it comes to Yanim of Arias, you can't trust anyone. Oh, so what, what, the Gemara is going to explain what this dialogue was at the end here. So, so let's just first uh, talk about what was this dialogue about. Was it makes more sense within Zairi or of Asi? So says the Gemara. That's talking about her own Edus. Aval Edus Isha Bevita, but regards to. Uh, her, her daughter, Divri Hakol Havlad Shtuki. For there, everyone is going to agree that the child is called a Shtuki. As we've already learned, we've met this Shtuki before in Yavamas. The Shtuki is the one where somebody asks, uh, calls him up for, where, uh, Yoni Baron calls you up for an, an Aliyah, and he asks, what's your father's name? And we shush him, because we don't want, we don't know who the father is. Okay. So getting back to here, my 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 Getting back to this uh, fine, this idea towards the end of the brisa, where they're having a dialogue about whether rov over the kachavim are right low lives or not. What was the discussion there? Doesn't seem to make any sense. So hachi This is what we said. This. So we're going to fill in a missing part of the dialogue as follows. So Rabbi Shua, they said to Rabbi Shua as follows: Hey shavtanu alhamu beres. So you've convinced Rabbi Yeshua that we're not going to believe her in the case where she's pregnant, right? Because there certainly she had Bia. Oh, so now we see what's going on. What are you going to say about the case of our mission of the Medaberes? So So he said to them, Medaberes is like the same as being in captivity, where there's certainly an assumption of cohabitation. So Amrlo, but they said to him, "That's not the case." And now we know the rest of the story. Now we know why they mentioned the of the kachavim that Ishvuya is different because when they come out of jail, that's all low lives in there, and you have to assume that they're prutzim barayis. So Amrlaim, how nami kevan the istater in apatropas barayis. So he says, "Guess what?" Rabbi Shua answered them, "We still don't believe her because guess what? Who's going under the boardwalk?" All kind of shady low lives, and therefore ain't a Patropos Larias, you can't assume that these were kosher people. Uh, there's no, and, and it's not just people in jail, it's also sometimes people in town. Anyway, Katani Mi Hastarti, at any rate, we learn two cases, Medaberis, Umeuberis. Having taken this whole case and this whole dialogue and discussion, we see that there's two cases, Medaberis, Umeuberis. Well, guess what? Those two cases are only two different cases according to Ze'iri, who holds the Medaberis is Yichud. Because according to Ravasi, who holds the Medaberis means Bia, there is no difference between Medaberis and Muberis, and therefore, Tiyufta de Ravasi, says the Gemara, Tiyufta. We're going to go with Ze'iri here. We're going to say Medaberis means Yichud, and Muberis means obviously Bia, because in fact she is pregnant. Okay, so now, 20 lines up from the wide, we say Vitepikle. Let Rabbi Yeshua say the following: the Hasam rov psulin That right, the difference between the woman who was just seen speaking to a shady character and the one that was in jail. 
Well, rope soon in the case in the case there's a rope in jail. In jail, most of the people are going to be puzzled. But here, even though it's true that the seminary girl should have never been hanging out with guys, ever, uh, the likelihood is that the guy himself wasn't like a mamzer, right? They're just uh, non-mamzer and behaving badly, right? And therefore, right, if there was no bia, we assume that they were not psulim. So the Gemara answers, Messiah Rishu ben Levi. This is support for Rishu, Dhamma Rishu ben Levi. Dhamma Rishu ben Levi, Ladivra Machshe, Machshe, Filu Barok, Psulin. Another way of saying it is that Harachadzaka beats out the robe. In other words, this part of the dialogue, right, is assuming that we don't go by robe. Well, if we don't go by robe, then we're going to say that if you're Machshir and you believe her, right, like Rabbi Gamliel, that he's going to believe her even in the case where the robe Sulin. Right, so even though there's a rope sulin, we're going to say that we have a chazaka, so to speak, that we believe her, and therefore that's going to outdo that rope, even in jail. It's amazing. And according, right, so that's a shita, and that shita is consistent, right, with uh, the answer to that question in the brysa. Okay, back to our mission of 15 lines up from the wide. Right, that if you're going to say, this was a sh- aforementioned shita that we said before, that if you're going to say that you believe her, as Rabbi Gamliel does, then her daughter herself is going to be kosher also. However, Rabbi Eliezer, who doesn't believe her, is going to be possible bebita. Right. So the Gemara says, Amar Rabbah, my time with Rabbi Lazar. Why does Rabbi Lazar hold, I'm sorry, Rabbi Yochanan says that whether you say that she's kosher is going to be, if she's kosher, she's kosher, her daughter's kosher also, and if you're posel, then her daughter's posel also. Right? So Rabbi Gamliel would say her daughter's kosher, Rabbi Shus is going to say her daughter's posel, whereas Rabbi Yezer Omer, that even Rabbi Gamliel, who believes her for herself, he's still going to say that the daughter is not going to be treated as a kohanis, let's say. Right? She's not going to be treated as kosher. So the Gemara is going to explain the logic of Rabbi Lazar, who splits the difference and says that the woman herself and her offspring have different shita. The woman has a chazaka of kashrus. This is what we explained already before. Right? Because after all, until we saw this shady behavior, we assumed she was a good seminary girl. But Bita let the chazaka the kashas. Her daughter, unfortunately, does not enjoy that kind of benefit of the doubt because she was already born into a shady state of suffolk, out of wedlock, as it were. So now we're going to explain. Esau, Rabbi Lazar, Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Lazar is going to say, Rabbi Yochanan, Mimei, Dvarimurim, Be'edus, Isha, Begufa. Avla'edus, Isha, Be'vita, Devea, Kol, Havlad, Shtuki. Right? So Rabbi Lazar says like this. What, this b'risa that we quoted. So it's talking about where the woman is testifying herself. So that's why we're going to say no, that if, uh, if a woman is testifying, uh, is testifying on her daughter, everyone's going to agree that we say that the Vlad is a shtuki. So my love shtuki. Puzzle, when we say shtuki, right, that's what the Bryce has said, right? We said that everyone agrees that the child is a shtuki. So shtuki usually means that when they say, hey, this is my father, we shut them up because we don't know who the father is. Well, is that not an indication of puzzle? Not knowing who the father is seems to imply that it's puzzle. Says Rabbi Yochanan Lo, right? Rabbi Yochanan who holds that what's good for the goose is good for the gander. And if she's kosher, the child is kosher. So what is he going to do with this piece of brysa that implies that regardless we call the child a psuki? He says, we could see that and hold that the child is kosher and still it's called a shtuki. 
as follows. Lo, shtuki v'kasher. We could still call the kasher child a shtuki. How so? Umi'ika shtuki kasher. Is that just the thing? That a shtuki is kasher? So the Gemara says, in Kirdishmuel. Yes, because Shmuel held. Amr Shmuel, a case that we've already learned in Yevamos. Asar kohanim omdim ufirish achan mehem uval. There was a crowd, there was a crew in yeshiva of ten kohanim, and we know that one of them impregnated this woman. Aha. But we don't know which one it was. So Avlad Shtuki. We know the Vlad is kosher. In other words, with that, she, this seminary girl was with that yeshiva guy, and that yeshiva guy only had kosher kohanim. Chas v'shalom. But, but, we know, but there's a child, but we don't know which one of these kohanim did it. My shtuki, why would we call him shtuki? Yeah, either you say he's shtuki because we shut him out of any nechasim of his aviv because we don't know who the daddy is. Pshita. Right? We don't know who the father is. So certainly he's not going to be Yorish anybody. No, we don't even allow him to be a coin. Why? Obviously the father was a coin. No. In order to be considered a coin, you need to have a direct, definable lineage where you know who the dad is, not just to know that the dad was a coin. And that is lacking here because we don't know who the father is. As we say, that's the only way that we're going to call you a coin. But if you know that the father is a coin, but you don't know who the father is, the child is not considered a coin. And therefore, even though the child is kosher, it is indeed still called a shtuki. And we will proceed with the last line in Maseches Yud Gimel, in, in Daf Yud Gimel and Beis tomorrow, Bezat Hashem.